Hey, y'all, just a quick note before we get started. Uh, we have obviously dropped this episode a few days early. Our idea was to get out ahead of Apple's event on Monday, October 18th. Next week's episode, uh, we're still working on, but we're planning to have that out early as well. So we can talk about, I mean, it's new Macs, right? But <laughs> talk about that event uh, in the days afterwards. So uh, stay tuned the next couple of weeks, a little bit off the normal schedule. But then we'll be back to Sundays. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Mac Power Users, episode 610, iPad Workflows. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? I am. I'm good. My kids are on fall break, which is fun. So everyone's home and taking some time off this week to be with the family. It's it's good. What are you going to do? Are you going to go like fishing or hiking or do something fun? Uh, they did some hiking this weekend. Uh, I think we're going to, we may go to the zoo and may end up uh, spending the day at a park. We got a really good park here in Memphis that has like yeah. lots of stuff. And so we'll see. Uh, part of it depends on the weather. This time of year in the South, it could be really hot or not so we'll see how that goes yeah it's really muggy there i mean we, we've we got a really nice span of weather here in southern california too where it's nice and cool my daughter's birthday was over the weekend so we took her to disneyland as you do and uh we had a good time <laughs> but today i want to talk about the ipad yeah yeah we got we got some ipad workflow stuff to talk about before we get there how's the devon thing field guide it's doing great. Thank you, everyone, for the support. You know, I, I did raise the price recently just to kind of keep things going. And it was like one of those moments where I was like, am I able to still do field guides? I mean, when you look at how much it costs to to make one and, you know, I hire people and do a bunch of things. And and when I raised the price, I thought, well, this might be the last one because if nobody buys it, I'm out of business, you know. But you guys showed up and you bought it and I really appreciate it. And I've got great feedback from listeners and I love hearing from people who say I've, I've been using Devon thing for like years and years and I learned a bunch of stuff in your course. So that that's the goal. I mean, I try to make the field guides like episodes of Mac power users. I try to start simple and get more complex. And, and if anybody uh, learns something from the stuff I do, that makes me feel like I paid for my shoes that day. So that's cool. It's going good. Good. Uh I wanted just real quickly to mention uh, some people have noticed that the uh, MPU talk forms have had some downtime. Uh, I've responded to that, those threads, but we are working on it. We don't have like a full-time server person, obviously, but uh, I think we've got it, at least the big stuff taken care of. Rosemary's led the way on that. Uh, so please uh, bear with us if you, if you see some hiccups over there. We are aware of it. We've got a lot of monitoring set up, so we are continuing to uh to knock out issues but uh thank you for your your patience on that everybody yeah we'll get there I mean, it's amazing how much good content there is in those forums um i just switched to fast mail we'll have to talk about that on the next feedback episode but uh i had some questions about things i should do and i searched google and it led me to an mpu forum post which i thought was pretty <laughs> great um but anyway, yeah, hang in there with us. Don't get too mad at us, guys. It's it's you know this is a thing we're doing on the side, and we're trying to keep it going for you. But sometimes the internet doesn't cooperate. Yeah, 
<laughs> Today on More Mac Cowies, your Stephen wrote what I thought was a really insightful post about 10 years of Tim Cook at Apple. And there's been a lot of focus, you know, on Steve's passing and the anniversary of his death, but it's also, you know, 10 years of Tim Cook and, you know, what are the, what are the trend lines we can see from that? And today in more power users, we're going to kind of go deep on that. So I'm looking forward to that discussion, but today it's all about the iPad. Um, I got a couple of emails because recently I've been vocal on the show that I've kind of changed my, my attitude towards the iPad, you know, historically, I was using an, an iMac and an iPad and I didn't really have a laptop and I was able to try kind of get around and do my stuff, but I kept banging into problems. You know, part of it's just, you know, doing transactional laws. Sometimes you need a little more power than the iPad has and my, you know, continued rant about the file system, blah, blah, blah. But I just decided I had like a, one of those like, um, hallelujah moments my i was talking to my kids you know as they were getting ready to go back to school about their technology stack and they both have ipad airs that they adore but they also have laptops and i asked well you know why do you love your ipad so much they said well i first of all i can take it to class the battery lasts all day i can write notes on it with my apple pencil i mean and they were describing all of the stuff you see apple talk about in keynotes Whereas my frustrations with the iPad was always me trying to take it to a second level that Apple doesn't really talk about, you know, it was a power user thing, right? I was trying to, I was trying to use it for stuff that Apple hasn't really embraced yet. And I decided that rather than swim against the current, I would swim with it. And so I have not stopped using an iPad. This is the thing. I get these emails say, Dave, I heard you don't like the iPad anymore. That's not true. I, I like the iPad, but I am not no longer trying to turn it into a laptop because uh, it just doesn't work for me for some of that stuff. And I, I have a laptop now, so I can use that when I need it. And I have an iPad, but um, I wanted to dig deep today on iPad workflows. Like what are the things that we do on iPad that we re- the workflows that really work for us and what are the apps and workflows we use to get them done? That was, that was a long rant. I'm sorry, guys. My voice <laughs> no. just rambles on sometimes. <laughs> no, it's uh it's good. And I kind of consider this an extension of our episode of iPad OS 15 a little bit. Cause the, the, the way that we work, at least the way that I work on the iPad I feel like it has changed with 15 with the new multitasking and keyboard stuff. Yeah. I mean, on the whole, I feel like Apple has done a, uh, a a pretty good job. I wish it was every year. It seems like it's every two years where they get around to, to really pushing on the iPad and iPad OS. But I feel like they've done a good job this year cleaning up the multitasking system in particular. I think the whole split view slide over, you drag it up from the dock, all that stuff was pretty confusing in hindsight, uh, the, the first iteration of it. And yeah. I feel like with iPadOS 15, with things like the the multitasking uh, button and the shelf, I feel like they've really cleaned it up in a way that makes it not Mac-like, because it is still very iPad-y, if that makes sense. But it's made it a lot less confusing. I feel like it's easier to understand where things are going and how you got in the state that you're in as opposed to before. It's like, Oh, where did, the, where did this app go? You know, if it was in, if it was in slide over, it's just gone forever unless you know, it's over there. And I feel like they've, they've cleared a lot of that up. 
Yeah, it really felt like uh, multitasking before was like you had to be on the insider's club to do it. And you had to literally know the secret incantation that you do with your fingers to make it appear. And now it's just a button that's on the screen that anyone can tap. It's so much more user accessible. And I think that's kind of like for the iPad, that is the ideal. I mean, I don't want, like something I'd like to clarify is like, I don't want the iPad to become a Mac. I don't want it to run Mac OS and I don't necessarily want it to have the exact same feature set, but uh, you know, I think the iPad needs to be an iPad and it needs to do the iPad-y things the best iPad-y way possible. A great example is mouse support. When they added the trackpad and mouse support, I thought it was excellent. I mean, the way they did it where it highlights the screen and you know, like selects an object, particularly when you're in an operating system that was built on touch, that is the way a mouse should work. And, and you know, when you've got a, a small you don't have a pointer mouse. You have a fat finger mouse that isn't mm-hmm. as accurate as a pointer. So it, that they use this magnetic like selection tool to do that for you. And, you know, I'm on board with a lot of this stuff, but I just want to see, see more. Yeah, I agree with you that just mimicking Mac OS is not the way to go. This is a new type of computer. And if you believe Apple, it's the future of computing. And so many of the sort of the root assumptions in macOS, as good as they still are, come from a time from 40 years ago, Yeah, right? And having this opportunity to take those concepts and recreate them doesn't come along very often. And I think I'm willing with that mindset to give Apple a little bit of a break that sometimes it's not going to be perfect the first time out. You know, I think adding... The, the trackpad support is a huge example of that. Apple was so adamant that it was a, a multi-touch device. You didn't need something like the Apple Pencil. You certainly didn't need a mouse cursor. And they've realized over time that, okay, we can bring those things to the iPad, keep it separate and distinct from the Mac, and actually improve on some of those things. I mean, you touched on my favorite one, the fact that the cursor sort of snaps over to things on the screen on iPad OS and buttons sort of get that little, uh, you know, they get a little outline or you know, depending on your accessibility settings, highlight or sort of uh, move a little bit. That's a better way of using a cursor than what we have on Mac OS and Windows where you just have to know what's under the cursor. Like in a way you yeah. are covering up what you're trying to click on as opposed to it highlighting. And you know, that's like as fundamental as it gets, but I think it's a really good example of Apple pushing the iPad in a new direction. And the best part about it is so much of that stuff comes to the apps basically for free that they don't have to really uh, drastically overhaul their UIs to get some of this stuff. You know, um, there are changes that, that do happen, right? Like apps had to enable multitasking, enable multi-window, enable enable picture-in-picture support, that sort of thing. But on the whole, good iPad apps and good iPad developers do that stuff. And I really am impressed that, I mean, I don't know the last time I had an iPad app that, that didn't support most of the modern stuff. Now, some of that is Apple enforcing it, but I feel like, you know, with iPad OS 15, uh, things, 
you know, just work. We talked about that in that episode, right? There's not a lot of breakage this year around. And I think developers and Apple uh, deserve credit for that. Yeah. Well, if they came to the Mac with that same kind of mouse magnet, the magnetized mouse feature, for lack of a better term, what would you, would you be for that or against that? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would have to experience it. I, I think I'd yeah. be for it. Um, I generally like change, you know, and I, I feel like I would like the Mac operating system to modernize, and I think that might sure. be one way it would work. But, but yeah, I would have to try it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a big difference because we are used to the the extreme accuracy of a one pixel pointer that we get at the end of that mouse. Yeah, and and so much of Mac OS. It has really tiny targets, right? It's the same yeah. conversation we talk about putting a touchscreen on a Mac, which they should do. I think people expect it. But so much of the UI would need to be adjusted and reworked for our fat, meaty fingers. Yeah. That, uh, that's that's uh, not as simple as just adding the hardware. All right. But getting back to multitasking. So we've now got this multitasking button. It's the, it's right at the top of your screen on your iPad there for you at all times. Um, my, uh, my wife noticed it. She's like, I didn't know they have multitasking. She didn't call it multitasking, but you know, she didn't know that that feature existed. And I, I'm sure that's true for most people. Um, uh, I guess a question for you, Stephen, is where are you using multitasking generally on your iPad? Uh, mostly in communication mode. And we're going to talk about some of those workflows a little bit later on. But very often I will have something like Slack, which is Relay FM's office. You know, yeah. everything in the company happens in Slack. I may have Slack open and have Safari on the other side. And I'm talking with somebody about their show notes or looking something up for Mike. And so very much it's it's a me retrieving or looking for information and then sharing that through a communication tool. Some of this has changed with the iPad mini, which we'll get to as well. But I feel like if I'm in split view, if I'm multitasking, Safari is like 99% of the time involved. It's Safari plus something else. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, it is often drafts plus something else because I'll write in drafts and we're going to talk through writing workflows later. And also, I also find the um, split mode very convenient for drag and drop data sharing, like mm-hmm. drag an email into an OmniFocus task and things like that. So, so there are places where I find it, it quite useful. But to be honest, because uh, my main iPad is an 11-inch iPad. I don't have the big boy anymore. Um, I find that you know multitasking, I don't generally keep two apps on the screen at once, but I'm always doing them. The other thing is I... My uh, billing, like where I list my time as a lawyer, software is a web app. And I put that in slide over so I can work on the iPad and then slide in the billing form and bill the time once I'm done with it and then slide that back off the screen. So I find the little slide over thing pretty handy too. Yeah. It's also a good place for drafts. Like if you're dictating uh, notes, you can put drafts on the slide over and then Mm -hmm. slide it in, dictate your note, then slide it out. Yeah. One password is very often in, in slide over for me too, yeah. where I can, you know, if I'm logging into something or, or doing something a little unusual, I can just park it there and, and go get it, uh, go get it when I want it. All right. So I had a hypothetical earlier for you about them bringing an iPad feature to the Mac. What if they brought a Mac feature to the iPad? What if that windowing system got more diverse where you could have even more sizes for windows or even more 
or maybe just set custom sizes, you know, just overlapping windows, just kind of full Mac mode. Do you think that would work? I think it would if you had the trackpad or a or a mouse, I guess. If you had a cursor present, I think if you're just like using an iPad and it's not hooked up to anything, I think that could get a little bit difficult to manage. But with cursor mode, I could see them being able to do that. Um, I also, I mean, the thing I really think about is, is screen real estate. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the multitasking isn't fantastic on the iPad mini just because of its small size. Yeah. But on like the big 12.9 inch iPad pro multi true multi window, like we have on the Mac, I think that'd be pretty comfortable there. Apple sold for years, laptops smaller than that screen and it was fine. And so uh, I think the iPad could definitely support it, and I think that there are a lot of users who would who would like that. And, and maybe it's added on top of this other stuff, where if you like split view or slide over, you can keep it. But even in iPadOS 15, they added something called Center Window, which Mail and I think Notes support. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a lot of apps yet, but basically you can have a email message that is sort of floating above your inbox, like in a separate view. It's like, well, you're so close to that. Like just unlock that thing and let me move it around. Well, I mean, they've done the work. There is a way to have a centered window. That's just not in anything, but a few Apple apps right now. But yeah, I, you know, cause thinking about that question, now that I'm kind of living in the walled garden mode of using the iPad, I think that the screen sharing they have is enough but I can totally see how people would want to have that. But I would almost want it as an advanced feature. Like um, for a lot of people, they're not going to want to manage those windows. They like the way things are now. So I think it would need to embrace both. You'd have to have a way to keep it as is, but also if you want to go more advanced and have more control, you could. And not everybody has, you know, a trackpad attached to their, or a mouse attached to their iPad at all times. That's kind of the point. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I think it'd be interesting to see. It's another good experiment. Um, one other interface element that we talked about, I wanted to see how you're using it, is the shelf. And this is not the shelf that we have on our Mac with some of the shelf apps. Uh, this is instead is a uh, it's a way to display active windows for a single application. You know, I think the best use for it is Safari, where you long press the icon and then you get a list of all your Safari windows. But uh, do you find yourself using that much? Uh, I do. I think the easiest thing to easiest way to think about this is it's like app expose on the Mac where again, you can see all of your open finder windows or Safari or mail or whatever. Uh, I like it because I'll, I tend to end up with multiple, especially Safari windows open and then going to the multitasking screen uh, where you have like the little thumbnails of all of your split view combinations and all your full size app and like trying to like scroll through there and find like, where is that Safari window? I know I had it open three days ago. The shelf makes that all a lot faster. And I think that it really, I think really a lot of people probably didn't realize you could have multiple windows open in a single app. And the shelf really makes that more visible when you do it. And so I really like the addition. I think the way they've done it makes a lot of sense where they just show up at the bottom and you can open a new window from the shelf. There's a little plus button there on the side. I, I really like it. I just wish they hadn't called it shelf because I would really like a proper shelf on the iPad. But, you know, it's just me. 
See, I'm doing it again. I'm trying to go into power user mode. <laughs> you know, and Federico Batici's ta- written and talked a lot about that too. And I think he was a little surprised as well. They used that name. It's like, oh, well, that name's dead. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off your account. 1Password is the service that Stephen and I use to protect ourselves online. With 1Password, you can create strong and unique passwords that are different for every website, so you don't have to ever worry about getting compromised at one website and then sacrificing your security at another. But 1Password is just so much more. They keep adding features to the service. The one I'm most excited about right now is Mast Email with Fastmail. 1Password has collaborated with the Fastmail email service, and now you can create unique email addresses for your Fastmail account Write in one password when you're setting up a new account. So imagine you're going to sign up for some website. When you go to sign in, rather than giving them your actual email, one password will generate a random email at your Fastmail account for you. And then it'll save that email just to that login. So you have not only a unique password, but a unique email for that account as well. And when you do that, then you have control over that individual email account. If suddenly you start getting a bunch of spam to that unique email account, because it will all go to your inbox, you can just turn the email account off without screwing up the rest of your email system. It's a really powerful tool. It's called Mast Email, and I love it. In fact, I love it so much that it finally gave me the kick in the pants I needed to switch my mail domain over to Fastmail. And I'm using this um, service and I switched over really just because of this feature, but Fastmail is great. We're going to talk about that on a future episode. Either way, that's just another example of why I love my subscription to 1Password and I'm a, such a supporter of the application. So head over to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps, get yourself 20% off. And if you're using Fastmail, start getting a, not only a unique password, but a unique email for every web account you sign up for. Once again, that is onepasswordcom slash MPU. And thanks, 1Password, for all of your support. All right, we are going to get to our workflows, but I think there's some foundational stuff we want to get through. And the, the other piece of this is the new way they've addressed keyboard shortcuts. Man, it's I really, really like this. So way back in the day, if you think of like when the iPad was new, you know, they like had a keyboard dock and you could you could pair one uh over Bluetooth since the beginning. But like the trackpad, I really feel like Apple has sort of realized over the years that a keyboard is really a useful thing to a lot of people on the iPad. And with that, obviously comes the desire for keyboard shortcuts. And so for a long time now, you've been able to press and hold the command key in any application to say that you're an OmniFocus. You press and hold the command key and you get a sort of a heads-up display showing the keyboard shortcuts available in that application. And if there's a lot of them, you can scroll it horizontally. And that's, I think that's pretty discoverable. I mean, I don't know where else you would put it because the Mac has a menu bar and the iPad doesn't. And I think that's like a natural extension of this topic. But uh, what what they've been able to do from that is, is pretty cool. So it, it has you know, command H, command space, command tab. Most of those do the same thing they do on the Mac. So like, yeah, command space is search, right? Like how many of that, how many of us have that just burned into our left hand? I know I certainly do. Yeah. 
but they've also been able to to build on top of that and like with the new multitasking system add additional shortcuts to navigate the system itself so instead of just being able to change the way your text looks in your word processor now you can control the multitasking system with keyboard shortcuts yeah i mean and that to me is the huge win like tiling windows like right or left i forget what's the keyboard shortcuts for that um uh you've got so you've got the globe key which they're using uh now uh, as well kind of an addition to the command key but like you have uh control globe yeah. left arrow tiles at left control globe right arrow tiles at right uh yeah globe backspace brings over uh your slide over apps it's it's pretty i think it's actually pretty intuitive if you know how mac shortcuts work we're like okay you have the key and then maybe you have a modifier and it does one thing differently they brought a lot of that logic to the ipad as well i think yeah at this point i've internalized them i don't know what they are but if i sit at a my ipad with a keyboard i can do them you know (laughs) Mm-hmm. I just, you know, my fingers have the memory at this point. But yeah, um, I am a big fan, and this comes up seem, seemingly a lot lately on the show, but the idea of doing setups or like contextually setting up your device for the kind of work you want to do to make it easy. And putting this under keyboard shortcuts really makes that possible. Like for me, one of them is if I want to manage tasks, it's often in conjunction with email because email is a good source of tasks. And like I can open those two apps, push a couple buttons on my screen and have them next to each other. And then I can drag, you know, emails into OmniFocus tasks or I can reference email data when writing a new task or it's just there's there's a whole bunch of stuff I can do. And the iPad now makes it, trivially easy to create that setup and once you have that then your your computer works better for you right Mm -hmm. yeah i'll have a link in the show notes to a piece that jason snell wrote over the summer about this and it it really is an intuitive system and i think once you internalize it you can go really quickly it kind of works in conjunction with that new multitasking button we spoke about a minute ago yeah uh the other thing that we're seeing in iPad OS is menus, but it's not a menu bar at the top. Uh, but even if you if you look at Jason's article and if you look at some of the Apple support documents, uh, you can hold down the the command key and get sort of the shortcuts. But you can also hold down the glo- the new globe key, which is on the all of Apple's keyboards. And that can, if a developer has it built in, so like if they're making a Mac Catalyst app, it will show the Mac menu, if they enable it, uh, on the screen. And so you can have like nested keyboard shortcuts and nested commands in a menu system. If you had told me like even five years ago, Apple was going to do this on the iPad, I would have laughed at you. It's like they don't want to bring that complexity. But a lot of apps really need that complexity, right? A lot of the apps we're going to talk about in this episode have a lot of commands that can do different things. And now with the the revised keyboard system and the globe key, you can get to a bunch of that stuff if the developer uh, brings it in. It's, it's like a cool remix of what's on the Mac. Yeah, but those menu commands, how do you access them with just your finger? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you got to have the 
the keyboard. You got to have yeah. the globe key, right? And it's a touch device, Stephen. It's well, a touch yeah. device. <laughs> Unless you're a pro, and then Apple seems to have a keyboard. I don't know. This is why. This is why I think the iPad needs a menu bar, David. Yeah, I mean, or even just a way to long press and access it. Um, I feel like have you have you ever played darts? Like you know where you darts. You know. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean, there's different throws. Like sometimes you hit a bullseye, sometimes you hit the board, but you don't hit the bullseye. Sometimes you like hit the wall, you know, next to the board. When I grew up, we had a dartboard hanging in the house and it was on a paneled wall and there were all these tiny holes all over that wall <laughs> where we would, you know, miss. Um, but but I feel like, like for instance, multitasking, the first throw was just barely on the edge of the board because you had to be so on the inside to make it work. Whereas like this next one with the multitasking button, it's like way closer to the bullseye. I feel like the same way with these menu items. Now they, I think they may be on the wall at this point. I mean, they got the right idea. They're getting close to the board, but it's a touch device. These, if you're going to have these uh, idea of a menu bar, a new, you know, look for a menu bar built for an iPad. And I just have my iPad without a keyboard attached. I should be able to access it. That's all I'm saying, you know, but Mm. either way. I just feel like though they are getting their their darts are all getting closer to the the bullseye so long as you use an iPad for the things it's good at. And that's really the goal for today's show. Now we've kind of laid some foundation. Let's get into that. You know, what are we doing and how are we doing it? And the one that I'd like to start with is writing, because I have a long history of writing on portable devices. You know, when I was in law school, I bought a Tandy WP2. And I think I've talked about it on this show at some point with 610 episodes, I'm sure I have. But it was like $100 in 1990. And it was a Radio Shack made it. It was a full-size keyboard, clicky keyboard, with an eight-line liquid crystal display on it. And the LCD was like, each letter had like something like, I don't know, like 16 by 16 grid, Mm -hmm. you know, for each letter or eight by eight. It was very, it it was not a retina display. Let's put it that way, you know, and, and you would put a couple double A batteries in it. And the only thing this device did was make text files and you had an eight line display. So I went through all of law school with that. I had friends, you know, I was broke. So I had all these friends that had like fancy computers at the time. And I had this little thing I would take in class and I would just write notes in it and I could make an outline and I'd get back to my Mac and plug it in and transfer the text file over. And I was good. Um, But the, uh, so writing, I guess that was a long story, Uh, but writing is a big deal to me and having a small and light device to write, I think is ideal. So, that being said, I write a lot on the iPad. I mean, I, I think writing has been part of Apple's vision for productivity on the iPad from the beginning. They had that weird hardware keyboard stand, and they had, uh, I think, Pages was out pretty early, maybe even day one as well. And it, it makes sense, right? It's something small and portable. It's something also that you can configure now in more ways than ever to be distraction free. I mean, the beginning, it could literally only run one application at a time. (laughs) So you didn't have multitasking to worry about, but you could put it in airplane mode or later do not disturb. And now the focus modes and really just turn it into a word processor, right? Like your, your Tandy thing, there's a link in the show notes. People will go, go look at it and Marvel at how far we've come. That 
was, I mean, literally in the name, a word processor. And you can turn the iPad into that really pretty easily. Yeah, there's another one out now called the FreeWrite. I just put a link in the document. You got to ch- Have you ever seen this thing? I have seen this thing. Uh, it is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's ugly as sin to start out with. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's also, isn't it like really expensive? Um, yeah, they're like 800 bucks or something. I don't know. But oh. it, it is kind of, it's kind of like the, um, it's like the uh, spiritual successor of my Tandy, but it's a little fancier yeah. and I think it's got a web connection, but it's, it's like just a device. It's like a unitasker device. Like if you are afraid that being on an iPad or a computer is going to distract you too much, this thing is only for writing. And so people are buying this and using it and swearing by it. In fact, my friend Mike Vardy has one. And he really likes it. But um, I, I think the iPad is like, my spiritual successor to that WP2. It's like, it is so thin and light. It's got a great display. I can attach a keyboard and there's, you know, a thousand different apps I can write words in. And those words can sync to my Mac and I can do anything I want with them. It's it's so perfect for writing. So what are some of the, the applications you're using for that? And how has that changed over the years? I really have become, I'm, a, I'm such a drafts fanboy. You know, I don't know how, how else to put it. I, uh, uh, in fairness, uh, you know, uh, Greg Pierce is a friend, you know, the guy who makes drafts and he gave me money once I wrote, I, I did some screencasts for him on how I use drafts. And those are, there's a free drafts field guide at the learn.maxsparky if you want to go download it. But the, um, I just love the idea of an app that you open it up and there's a blinking cursor. I mean, that was Greg thought of really two good things with that app. Number one is, no friction to between opening the app and typing, right? Because so many of these writing apps, you open them up, you've got to do something to create a new document. But what if you just open the app and you could just start typing? That's what Drafts does. And then the second thing he did is uh, he's a really smart guy and he added so many different ways to add automation. So I can write text in Drafts and then I can push a button and I can send it to Ulysses or I can send it to Obsidian or I can put it to my blog or put it to Grammarly. I've just got all these different things I can do with this text. So it's just a really simple, no frills environment that I can write in with a bunch of power tools on the backside. And, and I find that environment on the iPad really appealing because another thing he added to drafts is you can have your own custom, like kind of user. I don't know if it's a user interface, but a custom design like background, what's your font choice? What's your background colors? Mm-hmm. What are your highlights? So, and there's a bunch of community ones. So people have made really good ones and I've downloaded a bunch of those and picked a couple. And um, so when I want to go back to WP2 mode, uh, I have a drafts is always on my home screen. I push one button and I just start typing and it's just such a great, I, you know, I use it across all my devices. Like I was, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about a problem I'm working on and I just opened drafts and wrote some notes down and went back to bed. And it, that there's just something to that simplicity that I love. Yeah. I, I really think the best iPad writing apps are like that, where you don't have to deal with a lot of file management on the front end now and drafts does it better than anyone, but it does turn your, just turn your iPad into a canvas for writing. For me, it has changed a lot over the years. For a long time, I used an app called OneWriter, and it had this this pretty unique thing where it had 
like JavaScript extensions, basically. So you could you could have it. Well, take this and then send it over shortcuts and publish it to WordPress and yeah, uh, a lot of community stuff too. Not near the level of drafts, but a lot of community plugins and that sort of thing. But uh, in the last year or so, I have basically moved over to IA Writer primarily because it syncs with iCloud with all my devices. So if I'm working on yeah. on a draft of something, and and really this is only for like publication writing, it's not note taking. Uh, yeah. I can have that on any of my devices, so I can edit it or add something to you know to an article if I'm thinking about it or or you know work on an outline, whatever. And it all syncs really well. And it looks really nice. They have really nice custom typography. Like IA Writer went out and made their own typefaces, which is kind just awesome. wild. Yeah. Uh, and I think they look really nice. And so that's really where I've been uh, the last several years. And I've been I've been pretty happy with it. it on the Mac, even, it, it has um, it has knocked off uh, By Writer for me, which was my text editor of choice on the Mac for years. By Word, you mean? By Word, Yeah. Yeah, I used Byword for years. Daisy, my wife, still uses Byword like all the time. She loves that app. Um, but yeah, and the one thing you described for both of us is that our kind of writing workflow on iPad relies on an app that synchronizes to our other devices, which is something I didn't have back in the WP2 days. And <laughs> yeah. that is super efficient. You know, I mean, that thing I wrote in bed last night, I got up this morning, it was on my Mac and it's on my iPad. And I, mm -hmm. I think there's something really to be said for that. Um, I also have kind of some unitasker writing apps. Obsidian is, you know, my dearest these days. And there is a mobile Obsidian app. I'm not a super fan of Obsidian on mobile as much as I am of it on Mac, but it does work and it syncs and it uses end to end and all the good stuff. But like I do a review every every Sunday of kind of my weekly planning and review session. And I know I'm a nerd, blah, blah, blah. But uh, when I do that in Obsidian, I do it on my iPad and I write in it and I also dictate to it. It works just fine. And Obsidian, there's this really great way you can link other ideas and notes with just double brackets, kind of wiki style linking. And I prefer to do it in Obsidian because I want to create those link links live. So when I'm doing my weekly review, if I'm writing something about you know, Mac power users, I can just put that in brackets while I'm typing. It autofills the name. And then I've got a backlink down my Mac power users notes to say, Oh yeah, I was thinking about that back in October, 2021. So, um, it just kind of works better if you write in that application. But, mm -hmm. but for me, really the writing workflow, I mean, that's probably the, the most fundamental workflow for me on iPad. And if someone took my iPad away from me, it's the thing I would miss most. You know, and I get that I can do this on a laptop, but there is something delightful about doing it on an iPad and kind of the unitasking nature of the iPad when you let the app take over the screen. Um, I find it very uh, conducive to, to getting the cursor moving from the left side to the right side of the screen. Yeah, Obsidian is is not my app of choice. It doesn't really jive sure. with me, um, but yeah. I have really fallen in love with craft and we've spoken about that. You spoke about it uh, on an episode with uh, Jay Miller uh, yeah. about a month ago. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that episode. I was, I was so sad. I missed it. Um, yeah. 
And and so for me, that has become my my note taking app. And one thing I really like about it is that it's fantastic on the iPad and iPhone. In fact, the Mac app is a catalyst app. It's the best catalyst app I've ever seen. So yeah. using it on the Mac and the iPad feels very much the same way, and it, and it works the same way. And so I've really been able to uh, to lean into that and have really been happy with it. You know, it's not even craft is not for everybody because everything, everything is sort of in like these blocks and you kind of got to get used to like, you can kind of lay out your notes, but you can also just open it and type markdown if that's all you want, which is most of what my notes are. I mean, we, we've spoken about this before. We're in a, a golden era of note and PKM apps and, and craft has been it for me now for quite a while. And on the iPad in particular, I find it really enjoyable. Yeah. And I really can't say enough how much I like craft. I mean, if Obsidian didn't exist, I would be using Craft. But Obsidian has got some power tools in it that Craft doesn't have and probably never will have. And I, I prefer to go the slightly nerdier route on this in this one category of software. But you know, I know there's a bunch of listeners who are craft devotees, and I totally get you. And I think you are you're right on track. If you look at Obsidian and it does, doesn't look like the right thing for you. I think craft might be the right thing because they, they're very different, but they, they do scratch similar itches. And I think that, uh, no, I, I think craft is an excellent app. I, I want to give it a lot of like time on the show because I give so much time to Obsidian. I want to make sure people understand there's another option out there that's very good and it's very Mac centric, you know, or Apple centric. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, writing on the iPad, that's a good thing. I mean, uh, the lightness, the fact that you can put it in your bag and go anywhere. Um, the um, I didn't when I, I told you I went to Disneyland earlier with my daughter. Well, I mean it's my daughter's birthday. I only brought a camera. I didn't, you know, I'm not going to do that. But sometimes I go to Disneyland and work, and I rarely would bring a laptop, even in this day and age where I'm really a fan of the new M1 laptops. An iPad with the with a with drafts is probably all I need to spend a whole morning working and getting like real work done. And, um, and I just love the lightness of it. The, they've got trackpads on the keyboards now. And um, that is one workflow I think everybody should consider. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. Squarespace has all the tools you need to build a modern, great website. They have online stores, marketing tools, analytics, and you can plug in all these different sections. So if you need a blog or a podcast or maybe you're hosting events, all of that stuff is just built in with Squarespace. You just create a page. You tell it what kind of page it is out of all those options, and you're up and running really quickly. The design is great. It looks amazing on any, any device. So if someone's browsing on a Pro Display XDR all the way down to the iPhone 13 mini, your website's going to look awesome. You use drag and drop tools to make it all possible. And Squarespace has great support. They're available 24-7 if you need any help. And they take care of all the upgrades and patching for you so you don't have to. They also have tools that you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, built-in SEO, and email marketing as well. I love using Squarespace to build websites for people. It is my go-to because it is so easy to get started and you can really make something look great with not much time. So head to squarespace.com MPU right now for a free trial. No credit card is required. 
When you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain name. That's squarespace.com slash MPU and the offer code MPU for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the show and Relay FM. Another one that stands out to me for the iPad that I really appreciate and, and want to do on the iPad over the Mac is idea development. That's just the idea that, you know, like I've got something on my mind. I've got a project I'm starting, you know, what, what are the steps? How do I get rolling on this thing? And uh, I'm a visual thinker and the ability to either draw or just have my fingers on the screen um, with an iPad and also get away from my desk with my keyboard and my big monitor. Uh, I find that uh, very conducive. Like I have a comfy chair in my office and I sit in it when I'm developing an idea or sometimes I do it on the couch or do it at Disneyland or wherever. But um, I find that the iPad is an excellent companion for idea development. Have you ever tried that yourself? Yeah. And I totally agree for, for all the reasons you stated that you can move really fluidly between sketching and writing and outlining and doing mind mapping all on one device, you know, doing that on the Mac, it's not nearly as fluid especially if you are that sort of visual person the way that, that you are. Uh, the thing that I really have, have come to like about it is, is the ability to just focus on that idea creation and yeah. not be at the desk. I mean, it's exactly what you said. I'm in the same boat. I think in a way the iPad mini has sort of renewed this for me because it's, it's really ultra portable and I can have it anywhere and i don't use the apple pencil a lot but the pencil is so nice with it too uh, i feel like this has only gotten a, a, to be a stronger use case for the ipad over the years as it's become more capable yeah they, i know this is a weird word but when i think of the ipad versus the mac i think there's a certain intimacy to the ipad and you know when you're planning an idea or planning a project it's really a moment of vulnerability, right? Even if it's just with yourself, it's like I'm opening up myself idea myself to trying something new or doing something I haven't done before. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to be able to give my brain space to, to think about different ways of pulling this off. And for some reason to me, it just works better on the iPad. So in terms of apps, I use MindNode. I've been a big fan of this app for years. I, I would just love I feel like, you know, mind mapping apps, there's like, there's a, you know, there's extremes. There are ones that are way too simple and there are ones that are way too complex. And the complex ones in general are the risk to me. Cause like, I'll like an app that has a bunch of different dials and buttons and things you can do. And I want to make everything look just like this or that. But my node walks that line. They give you the features you need, but they don't go crazy because the point of this is to make a mind map. It's not to make, you know, um, you know, the line thickness exactly the way you want it. It's to actually make the mind map. So I, I just find MindNode to be really good at that. And whether you're inputting with a pencil or your finger or a keyboard, they have got all those things nailed. I'm not going to go through all the different ways you can do it now, but it is, it's a really powerful app. And I, I find it a great place to brainstorm. Um, one other that I've started using in the last six months that I am really falling in love with is called, um, uh, it's an infinite canvas app. You know, it's one where you have a screen, you have a pencil and you can use your finger to pinch and make smaller or bigger. So you've literally got a piece of paper. 
as big as you want inside your iPad. And this one's called Concepts. Have you ever heard of that app before? I had. I had read about it not that long ago. And then I saw you put it on here. So I put it on my iPad and it is really cool. It, it kind of reminds me of, I mean, it was one of the very first like sort of drawing apps on the uh, iPad. It's like paper. Yes. Paper. I remember that app. Yeah. Yeah. It got bought and sold a couple of times. I think I don't even know if it's still around, but it kind of reminds me of that in a way. It just feels really nice. And I think the layout, like the tools it has is really cool. And it is as simple or as complex as you want it to be. So like I would just open it and sort of sketched, you know, playing with it, but you can bring in images and have layers and like you can really use it for just jotting things down all the way up to like actual design work. It seems like. Uh, something I used to do is, um, what is it the company that makes, is it 3M that makes the sticky pads? Yeah. They make wall size sticky pads. And I've got, at all times, I've got a set of those. And like when I'm working on something complicated, I would like take, and they're like, they're like two foot by three foot. They're huge. And um, I will lay it on a desk, like stick it to the top of my desk and this draw on it. And like, as I'm trying to plan something out and then I can use that space and I don't draw like big with a Sharpie, I draw with like a pencil and then, but I've got this massive canvas I can work on. So as the idea develops and grows out, I can move arrows and draw things together. But the problem with that is when I change my mind or want to move something on the canvas, I can't, you know, it's analog. Right. Um, <laughs> and the, the advantage is you can see it all, but the downside is you know, it's permanent, even if it's in pencil, really. Whereas this canvas app is like a digital replacement for that. Now, if I could have a 20 inch iPad, you know, or like an iPad drawing service and put this canvas app on it or a concept on it, this canvas app, um, I think I'd like it even more. Cause right now I feel like I've got this little window that I can do and, and you can, you can uh, expand and shrink the document, but I, I do find this kind of interesting. It's not really a mind mapping app. I still think MindNote is superior for mind mapping because it just does it for you. But just for idea exploration on iPad, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of concept. I'm going to talk more about it. Maybe I'll do a screencast on it at some point or something. But I've got a couple of things I'm working on right now that are very complicated. And I've got this co growing concept kind of drawing. It's, again, getting back to the visual nature of the way I think that really helps me kind of figure it out. How about you? Well, I was going to ask you before we move on from that. Are are you doing that with the pencil? Yeah, of course. Apple pencil and uh, just a big thing. And I, I'll um, I'll when I do a session on it, I will reverse pinch to get like a section of the page and deal with a detailed issue of the problem. But then I can pinch it to make it bigger and like connect that to some other area of the problem. And it's a, it's a lot of words and diagrams. It's not um, like a product design. It's more of like, how do I solve this problem? And what are mm -hmm. the, the key areas I need to deal with? It's similar to a mind map, really, but it's not. It doesn't work because the mind maps, I need specific tools in mind maps like MindNote has. But this is more of like really just kind of blue sky. How am I going to deal with this? Mm -hmm. And where does this connect to that? Yeah, uh, before concepts uh i was using an app by the icon factory called linea sketch and it, it is primarily i think a drawing app like yeah 
artist app, but I liked the tools and I actually really liked the way they laid out the tools. And I mean, Icon Factory are, you know, yeah. indie They're developers pros. in our world. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but that that's still a fantastic option and uh, it's still on my iPad. I'm not going to get rid of it. Uh, I tend though to think a little more, I don't want to say in like in a linear fashion, but a tool like Trello really fits the way that I think better than it's like, here's a canvas in the Apple pencil. Like sometimes that's too much freedom for me and Trello on the iPad in particular is where I like to use it because you can tap and like pick up a card and move it between the columns. And so Trello is a very sort of traditional, like uh Kanban sort of system, right? You have columns, yeah. you have cards and you move them between them. And the cards kind of all sorts of details and metadata. And if it's if it's like time to sit down and like really think out a project, so like I did this with my Kickstarter, I had a Trello at the beginning, and there were columns for things like possible rewards, a column for you know issues that I foresaw, questions that I needed answering, ideas for the actually the content of the calendar. And I, I graduated from Trello as a, as the project went on. But that really, to me, is where I start with with either idea creation or like project sort of fill out, if you will. Yeah. And I want to use Trello on the iPad more than any other platform because the metaphor is so good that you have a bunch of cards and you can pick them up and move them around. There's something about that on the iPad that I find uh, extremely satisfying in a way that's like, yeah, I can do it on the Mac and it's fine. Like the, the website's good on the Mac and they have an app, but it is like built for the iPad in a way that really clicks with me. Yeah. I, I, if somebody's curious about some of these workflows, I would recommend, you know, make your beverage of choice and get a comfy chair and try and do some of this type of work away from your Mac with your iPad and just see how it works. I mean, I just find it more conducive. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. I'm lucky enough that I can own both an iPad and a Mac and I'm going to use each one for what they're good at. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these kinds of work, especially the the first two that we've spoken about today, really can benefit from being someplace that's not your desk, that's not yeah. at your Mac. And so, yeah, use the portability aspect of it. I know not all of us can get out into the world yet, but for me, if if I'm really working something like this, I'll just take the iPad out onto the back patio or, you know, sit on the front porch or walk to the park or having it where the rest of my world is sort of behind me and the iPads in front of me, I find extremely useful in these types of, of workflows or just the change of scenery and like using the iPad, it just puts me in a different mode that I find really useful. Yeah. You know, there is like real science behind that. And I know this is kind of straying into the stuff we talk about unfocused, um, but there's a great book out. It's called the extended mind by Annie Murphy, Paul. And, um, I told Mike Schmitz about it, and on the book we're in podcast, they both gave it 5.0 ratings, which is their top rating. And I found this book really interesting. And I, I know, gang, I'm not trying to like cram self-help books down your throat, but this is just about the science of our brains and our bodies. And, you know, for the longest time as humans, we did our thinking walking around the planes. And now all of a sudden everybody says, no, you can do your best thinking when you're sitting at a desk behind a computer screen. Well, that's very new to our species and not necessarily <laughs> right. correct, you know? 
Um, but I think the iPad can really plug into a lot of this stuff of getting yourself up and moving and getting your brain engaged in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. And I don't know. I, it's like you can't carry around a 27-inch iMac and do this mm-hmm. stuff. So um, there's something to it. So be that guy at the <laughs> I was picturing like you on like a park bench or like a you know like a table like a lunch table or something at a park and you have like a long extension cord and your iMac is plugged yeah. in. Yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking Disneyland like yeah. getting in the front gate going through security with a 27 hey, inch iMac. The back pro's got wheels on it, you know, you could just pull it behind you. Yeah, that's true like, like a, a wagon. red wagon. Yeah. Don't do that. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there there is something to this stuff. Um, another workflow, I'll keep this one short because I've talked about it before on the show, but I do a lot of work that involves uh, reading uh, PDF documents. And the iPad is like the the king of this. I mean, uh, historically, I would when I did it before the iPad existed, I would print out pieces of paper and do it with like actual red pens and highlighters. I never did it on a computer because... It just doesn't, it's just too hard to do it on a computer. It just doesn't work for me. Whereas I need to like have my hands on it and be able to jump around between pages and things. And, and I know all that's possible on a computer, but it, it's just so much easier for me to do, engage with this stuff on uh, something like the iPad. Um, and my workflow, since I've, I've said it before, it's so like I said, I'll keep it short, but it is to have a PDF app on one side of the screen and drafts on the right side of the screen, uh, either on the one third view or through slide over and either being, being typing or dictating notes into drafts as I review the document. So um, like when I do client work, I'll highlight the first pass and then I'll dictate notes about each one and then send the text file to the client along with the highlighted document. That's kind of like the starting point, but with the iPad, you can, reverse pinch to get really in there on tiny text and you can write in notes with the apple pencil and um i mean that is another thing i couldn't imagine doing without an ipad at this point yeah i don't i don't have a lot of pdf stuff in my workflow i mean I, the most i normally do is if i've got to sign a contract and, or something and most of the time that's just DocuSign, so i can do it on the yeah. on the browser but i mean uh, we've talked about this but you know I'm out of my depth immediately. Uh, something in Star Trek where it's like a bunch of tablets all over the desk, right? Each one's a sheet yeah, of paper. Like, that. That's kind of the yeah. dream, I guess, yeah. if you like editing PDFs on the iPad. Except I always thought it was funny that like the card would have like 10 iPads, you know? It's like, wouldn't you just have one and be able... That's one thing they missed, right? You know, it's like... Yeah. Well, you oh, know, wait. it was before uh, multitasking came along, Yeah, there I guess. you go. <laughs> multitasking was holding two of them next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, Microsoft talked about that a few years ago, doing something like that. But the um, uh, a couple apps I'd, I would like to call out here is uh, PDF Viewer is an app that I'm increasingly using for PDF edits. I just think, again, it's a great app that kind of walks the line of giving you features but not overwhelming you, and it seems to give me everything I need. Uh, I'm impressed with it, PDF Viewer. And every time this subject comes up, I'm going to say the word liquid text um, it is a completely different way to deal with PDF documents. And uh, I know some use- listeners are tired of hearing me bang on about it, but every time I mention it, I get end up getting like an email from a PhD candidate or a lawyer or somebody who says, you know, this app changed my life. Uh, so uh, we won't go into the details, but it's just a completely different way to work with PDFs on an iPad. And it's called Liquid Text. And if that is intriguing to you, I recommend you download it and give it a shot. 
Yeah, they're they're both they're both great. Uh, I too really like PDF Viewer, and it's on the Mac as well, so you can kind of have a similar yeah. tool set. You know, Preview can get you a long way. I find it super interesting that Apple has not put Preview on the iPad. Yeah, some of that stuff is in, I guess, the markup mode. So if you have like a PDF attached to an email, you can open it, you can mark it up, and then you can send it back. And maybe that's how they're handling it. But having a, a dedicated app like PDF Viewer is is gives you a lot more flexibility. Yeah, and the stuff Apple gives you on iPad doesn't hold a candle to an actual app or even preview on the Mac. I mean, it's not close. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by ZocDoc. Find the right doctor right now with ZocDoc and sign up for free at ZocDoc dot com slash mpu when you need a doctor you need a doctor now and not in a few days or a few weeks and definitely not in a few months if you need to see an md asap you need zocdoc just download the zocdoc app the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment with zocdoc you can search for local doctors who take your insurance read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat so you never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com MPU, that's Z-O-C-D-O-C, and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. In my family, we have a unique dental insurance. It's not a really common one. And every time I need to go find a dentist, it's like a massive thing to like find a dentist who actually takes our insurance. And I thought, well, hey, let me try out ZocDoc. So I signed up for it and put in my insurance. Sure enough, it was recognized and it gave me a list of dentists with patient reviews. I'm really happy with how quickly we were able to find a new dentist and the quality of the dentist we found based on those reviews. So I think anybody who wants to find a doctor or a medical care professional should check this application out. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, and now is the time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com MPU and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com MPU. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So another big part of iPad productivity, uh, at least for me, is uh, communication. So whether it's working with my team uh, at Relay or my various podcasts or having just you know, personal conversations, I really... The iPad's really the the go-to, especially like in the evenings. I don't necessarily want to have my phone on me, but I can have a PDF on the dining room table. And if something, you know, uh, comes up while we're watching TV, I can just pick it up and slack somebody and put it back down. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious where that fits in for you. I don't think I've ever talked to you about that. Um, you know, sort of in the, those communication tasks, does the iPad fit in for you or is it more a, an iPhone thing? I really like... Actually, I treat both mobile devices as like communication boxes and the idea of like, I, what if I never did Slack and mail and stuff on my Mac? I haven't really got there yet. I still, mail is a lot easier for me on the Mac than it is on iPad. But 
uh, a lot of the like Twitter, um, you know, uh, messages and Slack, I try to keep those just on iPhone and iPad. And the idea behind that is, you know, I do a lot of like production work on my Mac, like I'm working on screencasts or doing something, you know. I think the idea of of not having those apps there means less distraction from them. And mm-hmm. then I have to be intentional about picking up my iPad to do communications on it. So uh, this isn't something that the iPad is inherently good at, like the other stuff we've talked about, but it does give me like a box I can put to the side to contain something that I don't want to distract me too much. And so I use it that way. You know, I try to keep uh, most of the communication stuff on the phone or the iPad. And then when I want to, you know, deal with those things, I make time to do it. And it makes me a lousy like partner. Like I'm Steven's podcast partner and he'll send me a Slack and I may not reply for three or four hours because I just don't even see it because I try to keep that stuff off my main screen as I'm working. But then when I pick up my iPad, then I'll, I'll respond. Mm-hmm. But I do love you, Stephen. It's just, I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, f- for me, it's it's really communication when I'm not at my Mac. Yeah. Because I'm at my Mac all day, every day, and so those tools are there. Um, yeah. I, I will say features like drag and drop uh, really make like sharing images or files from the iPad a lot more enjoyable than it used to be. And not yeah. all communication apps support all of that stuff. You know, things like Slack and Discord can be a little behind the the curve there. But if most of your communication is something like iMessage, that's obviously going to support all of Apple stuff. And yeah. having that side by side as you're sharing photos with somebody like the family thread, like that's way better on an iPad than anything else. And yeah. And I think a lot of the the benefits that the iPad brings with things like writing really carry over to communication workflows as well, right? Things like the the fewer distractions and being able to selectively multitask or on the Mac, basically you're always multitasking. All of that I think can make communication better depending on what exactly what that communication looks like. And that's different for everybody. Yeah. Agreed. Another one that is kind of a smaller topic, but I think kind of relevant to iPad is task management. And we all have different task management apps. I just did a thing where I spent like three weeks. I like went hard at Todoist and I went hard at things. Like I, I, I went, I started the experiment thinking, what if I just decided I'm not going to use OmniFocus anymore? Where would I go? And Maybe we'll cover that at some point on the show, but I ended up back with OmniFocus. Sorry, <laughs> I mean <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But but um, one of the things OmniFocus does is um, it has a review process where you can set um, timed reviews on projects, and it's really cool because you can set them different lengths. So like there are some companies I represent; it's like every four months, and some it's like every two weeks. But um, sitting again in that comfy chair with tea and going through that review list on the iPad. There's just no better way to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I find, you know, that is, it's like a component of, ta- I can do task management on any app uh, or at any platform and frankly, any app too. But the, um, but the, that review process to me away from a computer is way more productive than it is in front of a computer. I totally agree. I used to do it. It doesn't have a built-in review, but I do it 
I tend to do it every Friday. I just have a repeating task of like review to doist. Yeah. I can sit down and and tap through my projects and reorganize things or remove things or or do that whole process. Really since the first iPad, task management has been one of those things that I really is really at the heart of how I use my tablet. I mean, way back then. I really fell in love with the idea of, yeah, you know, I can sit back and and really review this away from my desk, away from my inbox, and really just make sure that I'm on the same page or, or that I'm on the page that I think I am, <laughs> right? I think, though, it, that has only gotten better, again, with things like drag and drop and share extensions and shortcuts. I can very easily manage my tasks or add, thing, add things to my you know, my inbox and to do is or just specific list from anywhere in the OS and I can do it very quickly. And that that's an even bigger thing on the iPhone for me. Yeah. But that is some place that iOS and iPad OS, I still, I think still just beats Mac OS out that, that I have this data. I need to save it over here in my task manager. Like Apple, has won that on its mobile devices. And the Mac is getting there. Of course, shortcuts with Monterey, hopefully will change that as well. But I find the the capture process also very good, not just the review. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I realize as we're like getting through this show is there are two themes here. There are two categories of apps or workflows that both of us are gravitating toward on the iPad. The first category is things that are just better on the iPad. I mean, we've talked about a bunch of stuff today that is easier and better on the iPad than on the Mac. But the second category that I hadn't really thought of until just now is um, stuff that allows you to stuff you want to get off your Mac. You know, there's a lot of people listening to the show that do, you know, some sort of production or, you know, worky work sitting at a Mac all day and mixing that work with all the little things we're talking about on the same screen can get troublesome and having the iPad to like step away from it and leave the other stuff on the computer or on the Mac and do, you know, this other kind of offset stuff on your iPad gives you that space. I I think there's something to that as well. We should have probably organized the episode around that, but it just occurred to me (laughs) and I'm not going to re-record it. So sorry guys. Hey, iPad or uh, podcasts are a, a live thing you know even though there's not an audience here it's live to tape yeah uh but another one that uh i think is a different example where it's just better on the ipad for me at least is image processing like um you take all these great pictures with your iphone or even with your fancy camera and you import them or they actually show up on your ipad and man uh, editing photos i was terrible at it i've always been kind of terrible at it but I find it's because I don't enjoy it. You know, there's something about sitting at my computer, fidgeting with the mouse and looking at all these pictures that just is not for me, but boy, you stick me on the, the couch, you know, and uh, you know, once again, get me a cold drink and sitting back, like while the kids are watching something dumb on TV, I don't care about, but I just want to be in the room with them. I will edit photos till the, till the cows come home. I remember when the, the, I, when the iPad first came out, uh, this was really something I I pushed hard on from day one. And that's before things like iCloud Photo Library, which meant 
okay, like your pictures are on your phone and you got to sync them to your computer and then you sync your iPad to the computer and they show up there. And then eventually we had photo stream and for a long time, just the power of the iPad held us back. So in the early days, a lot of iPad photo editing apps had limits on like export size, which obviously is not something that you want. I want to be able to export this at the, at the full, you know, real estate of the image that I took. Uh, importing photos well, was difficult in the beginning and all of that has gotten uh, so much better. Uh, I, I do use iCloud photo library. And so all my images are on all my devices or at least the thumbnails are, and I can download them, uh, which I love having them everywhere. But it also means that if I edit from within the photos app, I also get those changes everywhere, basically instantly. And a lot of these photo editors on the iPad offer extensions into the photos app. And so you can, with just a couple of taps, for instance, use dark rooms, uh, controls to edit a photo, which I love dark room. It's like my number one app in this category. And I can very often never even actually go into the dark room app, but use this extension within photos. And then those changes get, get synced. I keep hearing about Darkroom. I have to give it a try. Yeah, it's it's really great. Uh, it's definitely one of those uh, applications that like, yeah, I can do like raw editing and a bunch of stuff that I don't really do on the iPad. Uh, but you can definitely just use it as a editor and and move up from there as you uh, as you need. Uh, and it even does cool stuff like portrait photo editing. So like changing the bokeh and some things in the background has some really cool color stuff. It's it's really great. Yeah, I find that, first of all, I can do a lot of my edits right in the Photos app. I mean, the Photos app has turned into a legitimate editor. I mean, there's, I mean, it's got curves now, and, you know, a lot of the, the dials that you normally need in a photo editing suite, like stuff that used to be $600 in mm-hmm. Photoshop is now just baked into the Photos app. So... I do, I'll say, 95% of the edits in the Photos app. And that's really nice because you don't have to do a round trip and it's just there. Yeah. But I also am a fan of Affinity Photo and Pixelmator. Yes, both very good. And then, like, there's one called Waterlog that occasionally I, like, I have some, like, one, you know, you know, um, what do you call it? The the app that just does one thing, you know, um, a one hit wonder, I guess, mm-hmm. but like waterlog makes it look watercolored. And like I did took a picture of the dog and I made a watercolor out of it. And so you can do stuff like that too. You can even do that in the other apps too, but I just thought, well, I'll use the one, you know, the, the unitasker for it. But, uh, I, I definitely want to check out, check out dark room now, but the, the point is of the segment, if you're not doing photo edits and you have an iPad, if you're not doing them on the iPad, I strongly recommend you give it a try because you've got this massive, gorgeous screen and you can literally put your fingers on the picture and adjust it. Mm -hmm. And all of the apps we're talking about have good user interfaces and they all do like live edits so you can see what's happening as you do it. And I just don't know any better way to edit photos it's also a great way to delete photos. Like, you know, you that the, with digital cameras and digital phones, we go to like a children's birthday party and we shoot 300 videos, right? <laughs> 300 uh, photos, you know. You don't need 300 photos, guys, you know, maybe get it down to 10. But when you've got the bigger screen, it's easier to pick those 10. 
Another good use of the iPad in the the photo management world is for ingest. So if we go on a trip, I will take my big Sony camera because I want the best possible photos, you know, if we're on a family vacation. And I used to take my laptop so I could offload them, you know, from the SD card, have them on laptop just so I had them somewhere else. So if my camera fell in the ocean, yeah, I wasn't sad. Well, I'd still be sad, but at least I wouldn't lose my images. And the iPad has has taken that over for me uh, for the most part. So uh, I do shoot in RAW on my big camera, and it can ingest those photos, and I can edit them, you know, like in Photoshop on my Mac if I really want to go wild. Most of the time I don't need to, though. And especially with USB-C, and a lot of modern cameras will have a USB-C port on them, and you can just do it with a cable. You don't even need the SD, you know, card adapter that Apple sells and other, you can use any USB-C one now with the, uh, with the iPads that have USB-C and, you know, if we're staying someplace that has Wi-Fi, then, Hey, that's great. I can import them to my iPad and they're syncing. And that means that my Mac will get them once they're an iCloud photo library. And they're like in my backup system well before I get home. And that has really freed me up when I'm on actual vacation to not bring a Mac. That was one of the last things that I would bring a Mac for and I don't have to anymore. And that has been really nice because if I've got my MacBook Pro with me, I'm going to be tempted to, no, I'm just going to take a peek at work. And because so much of my work is Mac OS centric, if I don't have that with me, it's it's better for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Another use, um, uh, Ian Bird, uh, our guest, who's the educator who speaks, he was talking about how he uses the iPad to figure out what work he can hire someone to do for him. Like if he can't do it on an iPad, then he probably should hire someone to do it for him. Like the iPad is the thinking device. I, I, that's one of my favorite things that has ever been said on the show, like to use a device to decide what you should be, you know, sending to somebody else to do kind of works the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, processing photos. And of course, we, we're just getting to it late in the show, but content consumption, the iPad's really good for that. I mean, that's not a knock. I mean, everybody's like, well, it's just content consumption. It's really good at content consumption. <laughs> it is. Uh, it definitely is. I agree with you. I don't I don't see that as a knock. You know, the, the argument of is the iPad for consuming or creation, like that's all really boring to me. There are so many benefits and in thinking through this, the one that surprised me as I was sort of digging into how I use it and reading a bunch of stuff is actually audio. And uh, of course there's no headphone jacks on anything anymore, but having a really great Bluetooth support, things like spatial audio and sharing audio which is really cool. So you can have multiple like sets of AirPods. You know, my wife and I could listen on AirPods to one iPad. That sort of stuff has made this um, pretty sweet. And the Mac can do some of that, but then you're carrying around a notebook that is not as portable, not as light, not as flexible in form factor. And yeah, it's just, it's really good at it. And it's only gotten better. You know, Apple has continued to push on this too. While at the same time making it better for all the things we've spoken about so far, they've also made it better for, hey, I was going to kick back and like watch something. Where do you use the audio? I mean, what apps are you using to consume audio? 
I mean, audio itself, like I'm all in on Apple Music. I'm not doing anything wild there. Um, yeah. And as far as like the on the video side, I've got all the <laughs> I got young kids, right? So like, I've got Hulu sure. and Disney Plus and Netflix, and yeah, uh, most of that runs through the Apple TV app. And boy, I wish everything did because the things that don't feel increasingly isolated, <clears throat> Netflix. What about you? Well, you ha- you have it easier because when my kids were little, we had to like go through the whole like uh, process of ripping the DVDs, you know, to get them digital. So because kids watch the same thing over and over again, yep. you know, and um, and they also have a tendency to put peanut butter on DVDs in my experience. So like you want to get a copy that they can actually watch repeatedly. Now with the streaming services, that gets a lot easier. For me, the uh, the consumption on the iPad that I do the most, I, I do watch video. Maybe too much. I don't know. Um, oh, I'm, I forgot. I wanted to ask you because you mentioned it. Spatial audio. Are you doing that? No, I don't have any products that support it. So I just have regular AirPods. And you need AirPods Pro or AirPods Max. I don't own either of those. Yeah. And so I am not doing anything with, with uh, spatial audio. Well, I would tell, I, I, I'm using it. You know, I know that like I was listening to uh, you guys and Federico talk about it and Mike and you guys are very opinionated over there and connected about this. <laughs> I can tell you, I've been listening to the same jazz tracks for my entire 50 year life and I like it. I think it's cool that they're playing with it. They're moving the music around a little bit just to freshen it up and it doesn't bother me at all. And there's a, there is a uh, playlist of just jazz classics that they put in spatial audio and there's some great stuff in there and it, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a fanboy. I think it's good. You know, I, I'm sure that, that you could do it poorly too. And I haven't listened to everything they've done in spatial audio, but I, I kind of like it anyway. Um, uh, getting back to my consumption primarily is, is reading. You know, I think the iPad is, you know, getting back to captain Picard and his stack of, uh, uh pads there in his office. I mean, the iPad is great for reading and, uh, way better than, than a laptop, you know, <laughs> you know, if you just want to read a book or read some content online. Uh, so I, uh, I have the full content consumption stack when it comes to reading. Um, <laughs> uh, I use reader with two E's. That's my current RSS app, although it, it's always seems like that's in motion. And then from there I can easily save things. I, you know, longer form stuff I want to read to Instapaper. So I'm still an Instapaper subscriber any highlights I make in Instapaper automatically get sent to Readwise, which I've talked about on the show. Um, same thing for Kindle. That's another pipe for me. I have just kind of over the last four or five years gotten to where I buy all books on Kindle. And I know that, you know, I'm in somebody else's sandbox and I can't like hand them down to my kids if I bought them and put them on a shelf. But the minimalist inside me that doesn't want to have a bunch of books on the shelf and the fact that like this integrates with Readwise and the digital parts of it, I just buy stuff on Kindle now. And so mm-hmm. I've got all these books on Kindle and the highlights in there also uh, forced down to Readwise using the Readwise service. Yeah. I recently, I, you know, I mean, it's just the whole system. I'm so happy with it. It just works. And whether I'm on a little iPad mini in bed or somewhere else or sitting on the couch with the bigger 11 inch iPad, I can read anything and, and just pick up where I left off. I love it. Yeah, I, I have a, a regular hardware Kindle that I really like, but I also read on my iPad Mini. Uh, the thing, the workflow that I've been using here, because I don't, I don't use anything like Readwise, but you can export your 
Kindle highlights as just HTML. Uh, I do yeah. it through the Mac app, and then I just drag that file into Craft. And so I have a notebook in Craft called Book Highlights. Yeah. There's a bunch of individual notes of books I've read over the last several years, and I just have the highlights just saved in that note. So if I go back and like, I know I've read this somewhere, like a turn of phrase or something, or I'm looking for a specific quote from a book, I can do that pretty quickly. And um, so much so that I actually went back through my library because I just started this recently and exported highlights from like all the books that had highlights in my Kindle library going back years. And now I've got this little collection of things that passed even highlighted in Kindle books all in one place. And then, you know, if you really want to take it next level, just go through your highlights and highlight those, you know, get that <laughs> down to like one or two paragraphs of what this really meant to you, how this, how this, how you're going to incorporate this into your life. And that's like, I feel like that's the, that's the ninja move at the end. But either way, um, so you can do that. Uh, Readwise also now has a plugin with Obsidian. So that just happens automatically for me. It, it pulls them into Obsidian too. But I've got this like stack of reading and it all happens on iPad. I don't do any of this stuff on the Mac. While I'm on the subject, Readwise has announced they're coming out with a kind of do-it-all app they're going to be doing that does like, I think, RSS and Read It Later and Readwise all in one. It's still in development. I've sent the email begging to get in. I think I'm going to get in. And the, uh, that would be nice if there was just one app to do it all. But either way, the, the stack I have is working fine. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, that to me, that is like all iPad. And I would be very sad if I wasn't able to to use my iPad to read anymore. So Something else, I, uh, two more apps to mention in reading on the iPad category. There's a cool service. I'm trying it for a year. I don't know if I'll renew it or not. But I'm, I'm impressed so far. It's called sh- um, Short Form. Okay. And they, it is like one of these book summary services where they read books for you and then they summarize it. But I've always found that the summaries by most services are too short. You know, they'll get it down to like two pages. Whereas this one is like more like 15, 20 pages, which I feel like gets me a better idea. So I've been using that and that's kind of fun to read on the iPad. And then um, a, a buddy of mine, because I never have been a person who read comics, you know, it's just not my thing. Yeah, same. But a buddy, buddy of mine's like, you know, like all of that Star Wars catalog is on Marvel Unlimited, right? And I'm like, okay. So I signed up for a year of Marvel Unlimited, and I'm kind of going through a lot of old Star Wars stuff. It's kind of fun, like at the end of a day, if you just want to unwind. And um, I don't know if I'll do that more than a year, but it's kind of fun. I don't know. But that's a different kind of reading that the iPad is uniquely good at. Like, I'm not sure I'd want to read a comic on a Kindle. No, no, that (laughs) (laughs) black and white e-ink screen, you know, uh, lightsabers don't really pop on that the way they would on a a beautiful P3 wide color gamut iPad. (laughs) You know, something sort of related here. I think we're going to probably talk about this on Focus because it came up on that show. But we had a guest on Focus who, like, swore by the Remarkable. Have you heard of this? The Remarkable 2 it's like an iPad-sized e-ink screen that you can write on. Yeah, yeah, I remember. And I um, I ordered one in, just out of curiosity. And then I started watching the YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to like this. So I tried to cancel the order, like within like hours of me making the order, because I didn't want to like, they have a, a very generous return policy, but I didn't want to waste their time and mine, you know. But sure. 
but I could not get it canceled. It was like so hard. I was like, I try, I sent a, I sent an email to their press contact and it was just, they didn't make it easy to cancel. So this thing shows up and I tried it for a week and I ended up sending it back, but that is not, I mean, the only thing it does in comparison to the iPad is like writing down like a good notes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very good. It feels like you're writing on paper, but it, it's a, it's a one trick pony for me. And I didn't, I wasn't interested, but it's kind of related. And the iPad's so good, I don't need another flat thing to carry around. <laughs> it's like a stack of iPad, yeah. Kindle, Stretchable. Remarkable. It's like, okay, yeah. we get it. Yeah. Physical notebook. Okay, let's, let's wind this down a little bit. <laughs> and I sent it back, and they were no problem. Well, they were very good about the returns. So if this is interesting to you and you want to try one, hmm. I would encourage you to give it a try. They were good about their return policy. But, yeah, it was. Um, it, it, it is kind of related. I think Mike Schmitz is getting one, so we'll probably go over that in deeper on focus. But it, yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> That's the short version. Yeah, it seems like it's up his alley. Yeah, uh, some additional workflows, maybe um, uh, sheet music. I, uh, you know, still play my sax, and there's an app called Fourscore. It is excellent for anybody who wants to play music on their iPad, and I've got all my music in there at this point. No longer do I have to dig through the piano bench or folders for music. I can find anything I want. You can combine it with a Bluetooth pedal. You can turn pages automatically. They just like get everything right. Another one that I'm sad to say isn't an iPad workflow is calendar planning. You know, I keep trying to plan my calendar on iPad. That's another one that I think would work good in the comfy chair or on the couch. But calendar apps just don't make it that easy to duplicate calendar items and move them around. I just don't think there's a good, simple user interface for that. And um, I can do it so much faster on my Mac with keyboard shortcuts that I do calendar planning there. But that's one that is, uh, I would like to see work better on iPad. Uh, Yeah, I agree. It it seems like it would be in line with something like Trello or another tool like that, where you could easily drag things around and add things. And, you know, the Apple calendar app is, full of buttons and can be a little finicky, but even something like Fantastical with natural language processing, I still don't think it's fluid enough. I totally agree with you. I wish it would better fit this for me, but it just doesn't. And that's fine. You know, it's not the end of the world. Well, I mean, like for, in my case, a lot of times I'll have some repeating blocks, like I'll have a field guide block and a legal block and stuff. And I may want to run that three times during the week. And on the Mac, I can just select those three items hit command C and then select a date and hit command V and it automatically pastes copies in. And there's just no way to do it that fast on the iPad. It always feels like a little bit like I'm in molasses when I try to do calendar management on the iPad. Something we didn't talk about today, but, but I would like, we're going to do a whole episode on is digital notebooks, you know, good notes, um, notability and then a whole bunch where I'm going to go deeper on some of these infinite canvas apps. We're planning a whole episode on that because there's too much there to do on a show like this. So stay tuned. This episode of Mac power users is brought to you by the IntraZone, a podcast from Microsoft. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, and that is such a fun experience for me finding a new show uh, add the IntraZone to your list. It's a bi-weekly show with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related technologies can work for you and your business. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, 
so you can see how SharePoint can fit into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each episode covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, focus topics, guest perspectives, FAQs, upcoming events, and so much more. My favorite topics on the IntraZone are talking about modernizing companies' infrastructures. So if you have some sort of classic environment up and running, or, or maybe really no system for this sort of technology at all, Microsoft has the tools to modernize your infrastructure, migrate it to the cloud, and then in here in the, the year 2021, dealing with that with a remote workforce. It's all super interesting to me. So go and listen to it now. Just search for the IntraZone wherever you get your podcast. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. And of course, there's a link in the show notes to check it out. Our thanks to the IntraZone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of Mac Power users and Relay FM. So the the new iPad Mini, we've we've shared our love already. Uh, very curious to see how maybe in the the few weeks it's been out, how that's changed our workflows, or maybe how that's fitting in with what we were doing doing already. Yeah. Uh... I mean, it, it's a great device, and but I've never been somebody who does only certain things on certain Apple devices. If that makes sense, like like the Concept app, which is better on a bigger screen, I will still play with it on the iPad Mini if that's what's in my hand at the time. Um, it, it is obviously better for reading because it's just so light. Like if you want to read in bed, but I read with it on the couch too. So um, I just find the iPad Mini just another great tool that is super light to carry around and have an iPad with you anywhere. But I'm doing all of the same work. Now that I think about it though, like the PDF stuff, I have not done any PDF edits on the iPad mini. Cause why would you, I think you'd want the bigger screen for that. Mm-hmm. Um, sheet music. I couldn't read on an iPad mini. My eyes aren't good enough. I mean, there's several things in here that probably would not work very good on an iPad mini, but but the things that do work on it are delightful. Yeah, I, I have noticed the some of the the video content consumption just isn't as good, obviously, because the screen is smaller. But at the same time, like if I'm just gonna like watch a random like YouTube video of you know some guy fixing a car while I wash the dishes, uh, it's great for that because it's smaller than my 11 inch, and I can just stick it on the counter above the sink and it's totally fine it's a lot bigger than your iphone yeah 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 um having the um the photo stuff on the mini i've actually enjoyed i think i think there's just something about that size for me that the photo editing and photo management really kind of works works well for me i would not have expected that i would have expected that i want the 11 inch screen but it's totally yeah. fine on the iPad mini. Uh, the The big thing I've, I've noticed dropping off is though, is the longer form writing just because there's not a keyboard case on it. And I could pair it with a Bluetooth keyboard, but then I'm carrying two things. So the yeah. mini for me has really fit in more on the social media, light communication, light task management, you know, stuff around the house. And I think if it was like, Hey, I'm going to go, work at the coffee shop and I'm just going to take an iPad, I would still reach for the iPad pro because of the keyboard and trackpad. Yeah. I don't do that very often. If I do that, I'm 
honestly going to take my MacBook Pro instead. And so in a way, the iPad mini has been really clarifying for me. I wrote a blog post about this, that it has sort of helped me like feel less iPad Pro guilt in a way that I did not expect. And it's like, yeah, in a way, this is like the most iPad iPad for me because it does all this light stuff really well and does most of the consumption stuff really well. And I'm not sort of worried about the overhead of the iPad Pro, if that makes any sense. Like, I know it's a very weird thing to say and think, but it's what I thought about it. No, I, I think you're right. Like, a lot of the stuff we talked about, like, get away from your workspace and do this somewhere else tasks, I think the iPad Mini is really good for that stuff. Um, but, like, I go to, when I take my, a lot of times when I do these Disney trips, what I'll do is I'll just get up, and go there in the morning and treat it like a remote office and work there until like lunch. And then I'll, you know, get a hot dog and come home. And the, um, that the iPad pro is the iPad for that. Even I've done it now two times since I got the iPad mini and neither time has it ever occurred to me to bring the iPad mini because I have a keyboard and trackpad support and I can get real work done that I can't do on the iPad mini with that. And it's still light enough, you know, for that trip. Um, but, the iPad mini, I do find just delightful. Like when I was talking about OmniFocus reviews, I mean, iPad mini, boom, done. You know, the mm-hmm. um, uh, all the reading workflows, I just prefer on the iPad mini. It's just so much easier um, than, you know, a bigger iPad. It's You can hold it in one hand. And um, man, you know what really suffered since I got the iPad mini is the Kindle. Because I keep a, I, I have a Kindle too. It's an old one that I keep in the bedside table. And I always feel like I'm wrestling with it when I want to highlight things. And I am a frequent highlighter when I read. But, you know, the Kindle, like, if you have a highlight and part of it's on the current page and the rest is on the second page, it is like, you know, it is random as to whether or not you're going to get that highlight across two pages. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the iPad, that is just super easy. And I get that I'm bombing my eyeballs with, you know, the wrong kind of photons before I go to sleep and, the Kindle, you know, is better for that, but man, the iPad just makes it so easy. So I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to even keep the Kindle at this point because, um, nighttime reading on the iPad mini is, is good for me. Okay. Uh, we didn't talk about any hardware, any, any special hardware you think you need on the, uh, on these workflows. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest one for most people is at least having a keyboard if not having uh, one of Apple's magic keyboards with the trackpad built in. Yeah. You do have a trade-off, though, with thickness and weight, right? Yeah. It gets heavier, and, and it's expensive. I mean, those yeah. the keyboard is as much as the iPad, what, ninth generation, you know? I mean, you can buy another iPad for the cost of that keyboard. Um, when my daughter went off to UCLA, she wanted a keyboard for her iPad, and she really wanted that one. So I gave her mine and I went a month without one and I ended up buying another one because I needed it. <laughs> I mean, they're just nice, you know? I mean, I don't know what to say, but uh cost me money. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, they are expensive and there are some good third-party options like Logitech makes a yeah. couple and there are others out there if the Apple one doesn't, for whatever reason, sort of fit your needs or definitely fit your budget because... Wow, they're proud of them. Yeah. I got also one off Amazon, like just a flip cover without a keyboard in it. Just a very simple, I think it's like the cheap version of what Apple makes for the cover. 
And I keep, that's the main one. I'm talking about my 11 Pro now. Uh, that's what I keep on it. And I actually keep the keyboard in a drawer because so often what I'm doing with the iPad these days, I can pull off with dictation and pencil and tapping. But when I do want to, you know, make the Disney trip or sit down in another room with the iPad and write, you know, a long blog post, I'll get the keyboard out for that. But I don't need to have the keyboard on all time at all times. And I find it does change the way I kind of view the iPad when I open it up and I can just use it as a, you know, more traditional tablet as mm -hmm. opposed to a, a laptop setup. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, I was talking to Jason Snell about this. I really enjoyed the smart folio on the iPad mini. It's like the classic, right? Like you fold it up and it makes a little triangle yeah. and you can stand it on either side or have it, you know, it's just, it's a nice change because the keyboard and trackpad is so heavy and the old ones remember had like the trifold thing and you had to get it yeah. around the right way. At least the magic uh, keyboard with trackpad is more laptop like. Yeah. But if you just want to like run and gun quickly, just a little folio cover is is uh, is the way to go. Yeah, and then you've got some USB C accessories too that you're interested in. Yeah, uh, the 12 South Stego Mini. It's a newer USB C hub, and there's a bunch of these out there. Um, I like the 12 South USB C hubs. I have the big sibling to this one uh, that I've used for a long time at my desk just to give me like an SD card reader and some some ports you know a little bit closer at hand and this one you can run it off a cable or you can plug it directly into this the side of a USB-C iPad so if you're one to use audio out or you need USB or HDMI this can do 4k over HDMI which is cool not all of them do that uh, this is a pretty nice option it's uh it's 60 bucks they're definitely cheaper ones out there this one's really well built. It's made out of aluminum. It's it's something that feels nice when you plug it into your iPad. Yeah, the Stego, their whole line has been impressive to me over the years. Yeah, we haven't mentioned on this show, you know, but the pencil is, I think the Apple Pencil is amazing. And a lot of the workflows that we've described today, I use the pencil in. And I know it's not cheap, but the Apple Pencil, there is no substitute. Don't buy like some third-party piece of junk. Just get the Apple Pencil. Yeah. It's it is by far the best out there. And if you have a, you know, iPad Pro or Air or the new mini, it just eclipses on the side, charges magnetically. Like it's so convenient, even over the first generation. The the other iPad uh sort of accessory category, I think, is like stands. Like if I want the iPad up off the desk flat, there's a bunch of options. Uh this is another 12 South product that just is just happenstance. Uh, but their hover bar duo is really cool. Uh, it you can mount it on a on like a, a rail, or you can just have it on a foot on your desk. If you use your iPad as a display for your Mac, or if you're doing a lot of like FaceTime calls, or uh, I've even seen these in places where they're using iPads for like check-ins, you know, like to an event or something. Uh, this yeah. is a really flexible stand, and a lot of these stands are a little bit wobbly, and the Hover Bar Duo can be at its full height, but the base is really heavy, and that, that helps it from sort of wobbling around. This is definitely a category I feel like you get what you pay for. If you get like a $15 stand off Amazon that's made of plastic, it's going to feel like that and behave like that, where this thing is made of metal and is adjustable, and it's really nicely done. Yeah, 12 South has got a lot of my money over the years because you just can, I just feel like you can rely on their product is going to be good when it gets here. 
All right. Well, there you go, gang. See, Stephen and I use the iPad for our workflows. <laughs> yeah. So you can now stop writing me telling me to that I shouldn't give up on the iPad because I have not. I use it all the time. I just I'm just not going as crazy with it as I was before. That's all. And honestly, if you're listening to Apple and you want to make the iPad more powerful so I can try and make it a laptop replacement, I'm game to try it again. I just don't feel like that's what you guys want right now. So I'm not going to fight it anymore. Wow. Does this whole episode now sound like kind of a grudge episode? I, I don't think so. No, we yeah. a lot of good iPad yeah. stuff in here. All right. Good. Um, either way, we're the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Got those forums that that I find in Google searches now at talk.macpowerusers.com. The uh, sponsors this week, 1Password, Squarespace, ZocDoc, and the IntraZone. Thank you all for your support. And gang, please check out our sponsors. Helps us keep the lights on and uh, the Sparks and Hackett families and shoes. And uh, we'll see you next time.